power of identity. I am the power of identity. And if you missed last week's sermon, which was the first sermon in this series, uh, you can go back, you can listen to it on our website, you can even watch it on our YouTube channel. I believe there's multiple links from our website. It's uh, branches.faith is the easiest way to remember it. But I preached about this. I'm going to give you just a little recap so we can kind of build on that. I preached about overcoming the gap. And there is a gap between who God says that we are and how we live our lives. And with truth, I made this point, with truth there is always the conceptual, the propositional, and the incarnational. And what that means is that if you go back to the Old Testament, you go to Genesis to the fall of man and humanity, what you find there is you find there was already a concept with God of what would come. He knows the end from the beginning. The end from the beginning. And so the concept immediately was that there would be a plan for redemption. And immediately there was prophecy about a coming Christ, a Messiah. Then it moved into the propositional. God proposed this thing that, that he would come, would manifest himself in flesh, that Jesus Christ would go to the cross and would pay the price of the sins of humanity. And you see that over and over through Scripture, building toward that day, that faithful night, where it was incarnated, where Jesus, God was incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. And then it became something that was present and was there. Most of us live our lives in the conceptual and propositional. God has stated some things over our lives that he would have us live out, purposes or blessings or destinies, whatever you want to call it. God has already thought ahead in your life when you come to him and he has a plan for your life. He has a role for you to play in the kingdom of God to give him glory. But what happens is as we walk with God, we struggle to incarnate what he says we are. We do things like say, well, you know, I'm not Paul, and I'm not this person, and I'm not that person, or I have so many shortcomings that God can't use me. We run ourselves down and allow the enemy to infect us with the idea that God can't do what he says he wants to do in our lives. And so we're attacking that. That's what we're attacking. I've come to believe that most of our frustration is rooted in two facts. The first is this, that we're not fully convinced we are who He says that we are. That's the first. We are not fully convinced that we are who He says we are. The second is this, we're too easily influenced by our feelings and our circumstances. Now, how many of us will admit that? We're too easily influenced by our feelings, our circumstances, what's going on around us, maybe even influenced by what others would say about us. But guess what? We're not God. Those people that say those things are not God. And our circumstances and our feelings are not God. But they will try to interrupt what God wants to do in our life. And when His Word is the ultimate authority for our lives, we'll not walk in the full, we will walk in the fullness of God's calling. 
and we will experience the things that God has for us. But when his word is not an authority in our lives, we will not walk in that fullness. And we will not walk and experience ongoing things of God, the blessings of God. Instead, what we'll have in its place is frustration. Frustration. The truth is, the truth is, our feelings and our experiences, they neither validate nor invalidate the Word of God. God's Word is not dependent on what we feel about ourselves and about our circumstance. God's Word is forever settled in heaven. And I want to tell someone today, I want you to hear me. God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose that He wants to fulfill in your life. So today I'm preaching under this title, You Were Made for More. You were made for more. Look at someone beside you, or if you're at home on your couch and somebody's beside you, tell them you were made for more. If no one's beside you on the couch, text them and say you were made for more. We're going to go to the book of Matthew chapter 16. We're going to read just a short portion of scripture. I'll bring more scriptures in, but if you kind of want to put your finger where I'm going to be working from today. I'm going to be working from here. I'm also going to be working from Genesis and the story of Abraham. Matthew 16, 13 through 19. I'm reading from the New King James Version. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, am, that I the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, Others, Jeremiah, or even one of the prophets. Verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now I want to draw your attention back to verse 17. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Can I say to you this morning, there are some truths that can only be received through revelation. There are some things that flesh and blood cannot reveal. Only God. God must reveal them to us. Jesus was quick to point out to Simon Peter after he blooded out this profound truth, the Son of Man is the Christ, Son of the living God. He was quick to point out that he was not learning this from any other avenue. It had to come from a heavenly Father. It had to come from a place outside of flesh and blood. He did not learn this from his earthly father. He did not get this from some other member of the group. God revealed this to him. And that's why Jesus said this. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. He was saying, blessed are you, Simon, the son of Jonah. That's what that bar means. 
It means the son of Jonah. So it's interesting if you think about it that Peter, Simon Peter has this great revelation, reveals it to everyone in the group. Jesus Christ recognizes that this is something that's beyond flesh and blood. God is revealing to him a little bit about the purpose of my being here. And he says, blessed are you, your dad did not tell this to you. Flesh and blood has not given this to you. The idea is this. Simon Peter probably learned a lot of things from his father. We know he was a fisherman. He probably learned the trade of being a professional fisherman from his dad. He had to have probably learn how to run a family business from his dad. Fishermen don't stay in business very long if they're not, one, good at it, and two, if they don't know how to run a business. He probably learned how to do some things to survive in life, pay the bills, make sure everything was taken care of. He probably worked alongside of his dad as a young man, and he learned what a good, working, hard work effort effort looked like and meant. There were some blessings and some things that his dad and maybe even his mom gave him and put into his life. But all of the things he learned from his earthly father, while they were good, they were outside the scope of God's redemptive plans and purposes, even in Simon Peter's life. Simon Peter's heavenly father afforded him a life that centered around the Son of Man, the Christ, the Son of the living God. His earthly father, what he afforded him was to learn to be a fisherman, to take care of the family, to be sure and pay the bills. All the things that we're consumed with and concerned with in this earthly life. Jesus was acknowledging that Simon Peter had begun to hear the call to understand life from a different perspective, a heavenly perspective, not from a perspective of flesh and not from perspective of the earth. And that's important to understand because flesh is limited. It can only do so much for us. Your parents may have taught you great things. They may have invested in your life. You've probably had people throughout your life who have invested in you and blessed you in some ways, but it's still flesh. It's still wisdom of the world and the earth. And while it may be a blessing in your life, it can only do so much for you. Flesh can only understand fleshly things. And God's intention is to call us away from this life toward a heavenly life. We can often be so short-sighted in what God has for us that we only think of the here and the now when what God is looking at is He's looking at eternity. He's looking at outside of the scope of time and the little portion that we feel in it. For example, Jesus said this, Matthew 16, 24 through 26, 
He said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? We often think of that as just making a decision to follow Jesus, but it's much deeper than that. If you consider the context of the conversation and what is happening, Jesus was calling them to a deeper life, an understanding of a heavenly perspective versus just the things that profit us here and now. New Testament scholar Kenneth Woost offers or refers to the life that Jesus said we're supposed to lose as the low life and the life we're supposed to find as the high life. Jesus was calling them to not think of the low life, but to pursue a high life. There's a low life we must lose, and a high life we must find. And the high life is a place of favor and freedom. Paul said it's a high calling. Philippians 3.14 I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 55 and 9 says for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God has called us to a high calling, a higher way of thinking, a higher way of living, a life filled with meaning, significance and purpose. There are parallels between the call of Simon Peter and another great character of Scripture, Abram, often referred to as his second name, Abraham. But I'm going to refer to him over and over as Abram as we talk this morning. Following the flood, Noah and his descendants are told to multiply and migrate through the earth. They multiplied. They did multiply but they failed to migrate. Instead, they gathered together in the valley of Shinar. Under the direction of Nimrod, they begun to construct the infamous Tower of Babel. It was an enormous undertaking. An enormous undertaking that testified both to the brilliance of human ingenuity and the depravity of the human soul. The Tower of Babel was the centerpiece of a false religious system designed by humanity to save themselves. You go and read it, it it says, why do we depend? Why don't we just save ourselves? We can go to heaven. And they begin to build this system. This, if you study scripture, was the beginning of Babylon. Not the historical empire, but the reference in scripture, Babylon, the historical empire, is referenced in Scripture. But that's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is a false religious system that tries to supplant God and His truth. And it's any religious system that tries to supplant God and His truth for us. But here's the trouble. However, in trying to save themselves, humanity did not just lose God, but they lost themselves. 
Rabbinical tradition says the religion of Nimrod taught that the God of Noah was arrogant at best and evil at worst. They thought the true God was bad and that humanity should seek out other gods to worship and petition for help and ask for protection. And so Abram's family, generation after generation, ten generations, worshipped these false gods. And there came to be a pantheon of gods, thousands and millions of gods that were worshipped. They were... uh, They were... That's the word I'm looking for. They were focused on, I'll use focused on because I can't remember the word I was going to use. It was a good word. <laughs> focused on around the moon, the sun, the earth, things in the earth, and all of these false gods and false religions began to come up. And so Abram's family worshipped these false gods, and not only did they worship, but they became manufacturers of idols for their worship. By the time of Abraham or Abram, there were a pantheon of gods and they made all of these to worship in place of that one true God. Their belief was that the religious system humanity created would open a gateway to the gods. And that's literally what Babylon can mean. It means the gate of the gods. In Abram's time, we can picture this as being a crazy and confusing time. The voice of God has been minimized in the world. And there are all these false deities that you could worship and could get your attention and draw you off from side to side in any way but the way of truth. And it was in this crazy and confusing, which also Babylon means confusing, Babel, Abram's world of this confusion filled with man-made gods and perverse religions, as confusing as our world with man-made systems that have become gods and facing perversion on a daily basis. It's all around us. Abram was living in the same type of situation. Abram lived the entirety of his life, 75 years, in this confusion. Now, how many of us think we're getting too old to do something or change? Yeah, every day I get closer to thinking, man, I'm not as quick to get some things as I used to be. 75 years he lived in confusion. His father's name was Terah, and Terah means inspired. It's an indication of what Abram was growing up with, this inspired, inspirational, charismatic character for a father who was no doubt a promoter and a propagator of the message of Babylon. He was promoting these false gods because as they manufactured the idols, they would make money. It provided a living for their family. False religion provided a living for Abram's family for 75 years. Over these 10 generations, their family had went deeper and deeper into darkness. And Abram is intended to be the inheritor of this perverse system of religion that had made his family a living. He would inherit it all. He would take his place as a patriarch over the family. 
and would perpetuate the system, leading the family and the rest of the world deeper and deeper into the abyss of darkness away from God. But God had another plan. It was in the middle of this confusion, 75 years old, that God interrupted the passing of this religious baton from Terah to Abraham. Think about that. 75 years into his journey, the Lord broke in and said, Abram, your world may look like this, but I'm telling you now, you were made for more. You weren't made to just perpetuate this system. You were made to reveal truth to a generation that doesn't know it. You were made to reveal blessings to a people that were to come. And in you, Abram, the whole world could be blessed. I want to say someone hear me today. You were made for more. You were made for more. And if we are really, really honest... And listen to me, I I grew up in a faith-filled home. My parents are wonderful parents. Their parents were wonderful parents. And I have a generation, uh, uh, going back five generations of being in a Pentecostal church, being apostolic, and I thank God for that. It changed my family's trajectory. My great-great-grandmother was a prostitute in a hotel Trust me, my life, my world has been changed because they heard the call of God. But even with that, if we're honest, each of us, like Abram, we come from some messed up folks too. Because even with all the blessings of God, there are days whenever I fight some things in my life that I have no doubt were passed because of nurturing and because of nature. And that's true for every one of us. Every one of us has a nature and we have some nurturing and we have some things we have to overcome because we're all just a bunch of messed up folks. Last year when I was preaching about families and how to have a good family or a biblical family, not a good family, a biblical family, I made the point to drive home this point. You will not find a perfect family in the Bible because we're all a bunch of messed up people. So stop fronting and acting like that you're not messed up because you're messed up too. I'm sorry, I just got off my notes. I will go back to the point I was making, but I felt anointed right then. We all come from some messed up folks. Our lives are built on the influence of previous generations, which can be good, but is also often not so good. We find ourselves living on top of a heap of moral, mental, and religious chaos with the best of intentions and oblivious to truth. Our family can be enthusiastic about us living out the family dream that is just a perpetuation of what has always been. Just as Tara was about Abram carrying on the family business of idol worship and idol making, our families can push us that direction they love us they have the best of intentions but they plan for you to live the same life and pass it down to your own kids generation after generation living life directionless clueless and detached from the plans and purposes of God but God wants to interrupt and say you were made for more you were made for more 
I would even go so far as to say there are some in your family who are convinced that it is impossible for you to do life any differently than they did. They expect you to bow at the same altars to the same gods, live with the same traditions, and suffer with the same addictions, brokenness, and struggles. But God says you're made for more. You're made for more. Genesis 12, 1 through 6, The Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. This is the you're made for more moment. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran then Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran and they departed to go to the land of Canaan so they came to the land of Canaan Verse 6, Abram passed through the land to the peace, to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Did you notice something? Abram lived before Calvary, but God was inviting him to find his life, a higher life, by being in a sacred partnership. God made it clear. In this partnership, Abram was not bound by nature or nurture or genetics or by his upbringing. He could live the high life fulfilling his purpose in God's redemptive plan. Right now, God is calling to any who will hear and respond from inside the confusion and chaos of this generation. And he's saying, we're invited to turn from our version of Babylon and follow Jesus Christ. And in that process, there is a purpose for our lives. There is a blessing that only He can give. There is something that only He can do with our lives if we will turn. God was saying to Abram, Look around you. This inheritance that your father has for you, none of this is going to be yours. I'm giving you something entirely different, something you cannot get from your earthly father. Hebrews 11 and 8 says it like this, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. I have an inheritance for you, but it's not an inheritance of the flesh. It's not an inheritance of a system of broken religion. It is not an inheritance of addictions and brokenness and struggle. It is not an inheritance of what you see around you in chaos and confusion. It's an inheritance that only I can give you. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Inheritance would not come from Terah, but from the Almighty God. And the inheritance in your life, it's not going to come from people around you. It's only going to come from God. But in order to receive what God wanted for Abram, the first thing that he had to have happen was to get Abram out. He has to get Abram out. God was saying, 
I've got to get you out of your world. I've got to get you away from your family. You will lose your inheritance that's offered in Babylon and false religion, but I have another inheritance for you, but you have got to get out. And if you're going to live the high life, you first must leave the low life. If you're going to receive a heavenly inheritance, you have to abandon your earthly inheritance. You have to surrender some things to God and trust God in this journey of faith. If I can say one thing about American Christianity, it's this idea that you don't surrender anything to God and you just receive everything simply because you will believe Him. That is not biblical. That is nowhere in the Bible. But what God does say, if you'll give up your life, I will give you eternal life. If you will surrender your sins to me, I will give you forgiveness. If you will turn away from the world, I will take you to eternity to live forever. That That is what scripture says. It is deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Notice the high calling of God for Abram. Genesis 12, 2 through 3. I will make you a great generation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That is what I call a high calling to a high life. Notice it. Look at it. I will bless you. Most of us... We get excited about that. I mean, who's excited about the blessings of God? I am excited about the blessings of God. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on, he says, I will position you to be a blessing. I'm going to position you where you can be a blessing to someone else, to a generation that's coming. This is walking with God. This is walking with God. And allowing him to get glory out of your life. Think about this. This was all brand new to Abram. 75 years. And now I'm supposed to abandon everything I've known and follow you. And as we can see and read in the history, Abram made a lot of mistakes. I want you to understand, I'm not preaching perfection to you when I talk about a high life. I'm talking about striving to overcome those mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes, and it's okay to stumble in sin if you will overcome, if we will go to the Father. That's what John writes about in 1 John. He says, we have an advocate. If we'll go to him, he is just, and he will forgive us our sins. So Abram made a lot of mistakes. And the Bible is very, very careful to record every one of those mistakes. The reason is because we can learn from them. Abram messed up from day one. You may not have even noticed it. But from day one, he messed up. 
the Lord told him to get out from his people and get out from the land of Ur, the place where he had been raised for 75 years. He left his country, but he didn't leave his family. He took them with him. He left his land, but he never left the clan. He stayed with the messed up people that were trying to perpetuate the system, and he took them with him. He brought them along for the journey. And it is clear and becomes apparent that with, when God said, leave your country, your family, and your father's house, what he was trying to do was separate Abram from the mindset that they had. It wasn't just getting away from the land. It wasn't just a test of faith to see if Abram would be uh, uh, obedient and would follow God. It was more than that. He wanted to bring a place of separation between that low mindset and that high mindset that God had intended for him. Their thinking crippled them that they could not see God's purpose or plan in their life. That old way of thinking that went with Abram, it would become a hindrance to Abram. And it would delay his ability to fully grasp hold of what God was trying to reveal to him and accomplish through him. Twenty-five years, Abram would pursue the original promise. Seventy-five to one hundred years of age. All while battling limiting beliefs that limited what God could accomplish in his life. Abram's mindset limited God's ability to enhance his natural abilities, to put his super on Abram's natural. Everyone in this room has some natural abilities God has given you. Maybe it came from your family. Maybe it came from your upbringing. Maybe you learned them in school. You've got some natural abilities. But God has some supernatural things that he wants to do in your life that flesh can't do and you can't accomplish through your mindset. You can't do it relying on the old ways and the old systems. You've got to break free from that and be called up to the high life. So this lesson should be clear to us. We must guard against the tyranny of a common mindset. Commonality is all around us. But we need to be called to a mindset that is wisdom above man's wisdom. The common mindset is this. To look around and say, what does our mind and our senses tell us? That's exactly what Abram did. He looked around and said, well, what's going on in my world? What's going on around me? And he allowed that to dictate to him what God could and could not do. And so for 25 years, they waited for a promise to be fulfilled in their life, all because of a limiting mindset. The other thing we can do is we can try and figure out and determine how to make it happen. How many of us are guilty of that? God gives you a promise and you want to figure out how to help it, help him. Guess what? God don't need my help. God does not need your help. God can do it all on his own. He did it before we got here. We try and figure it out. You know what that is? That's leaning on the flesh more than leaning on the almighty God. When our thinking is based on the accepted wisdom of the day instead of what God has said, 
those worldly thoughts will become a ruthless and relentless dictator in our life, limiting what God could do through our lives. Our mindset could cut us off from his promises. Abram would finally get his perspective right, but he took 25 years. He eventually took the limits off what God could do through he and his wife, Sarai, 25 years. 25 years. I don't want it to be 25 years in my life. So understand, the call to the high life is this. The first call is to abandon the low life. You have got to surrender your low life in order to pursue the high life. You've got to let go of the earthly inheritance to grab the internal inheritance. You've got to let go of some things in this world that will stand in your way from getting hold of the promises that God has for you in your life. But only you can do that. Because God has to separate you from that low life so you can have the high life. The second is this, to abandon Your limiting mindset. Wisdom of the flesh is not going to get you there. The Wisdom of this world is not going to get you there. It's only going to be in faith. Be a faith in what God has said for your life. What God speaks over you through his word. And when he speaks through his spirit into your life. Those things. Those things are true. Everything else is not true. But you have to let go of all of the limiting mindset that the world would put on you. And pursue everything spiritually within you. Pursue those promises that God has for you. Getting ready to end. I'm talking to someone today that a high call is going out to you. And God is saying, you are made for more. I want to do more in your life. I want to do more through your ministry. I want to do more in your family through you. I want to do more. But with that call, there come some things you need to let go of. Maybe, maybe something simple. I can remember the day in my life early in early in my 20s and I'd always I I love music you watch me over here I'm singing I'm clapping I play a little bit of guitar I'm not great but I try and I have fun doing it I make it look fun if if you ever see me I'm going to look like I'm having fun doing it it may be wrong but it's going to be fun I've always loved music but I can remember the place where I was at when God started dealing with me about some of the music I was allowing to come into my life. You say, well, that's, that's not a big deal. You're right. It's, when you think about some of the music, there's some music you need to get out of your life because it's a negative influence. But there's some music, it's just music. But I can remember the place where I was at when God started dealing with me. He said, I want to do some things in your life. But these particular influences are keeping you from the direction I want to take you. And I remember I had to sacrifice some things. I love music. I still love music. And I love worship music. But I cannot handle whenever they say the same words about the 50th time. Just being honest. I'm just being open and honest with you right now. 
So in my office, if you come in my office, I'm listening to music. It's usually jazz. It's usually something with no words. Yeah, everybody's thinking, my word, he is in stick in the mud old fogey. It's going to be classic, classical music. It's going to be music with no words because God dealt with me a long time ago. It's like there's certain things you're not aware of that you're allowing to influence your life. And God's high calling to the high life demands sometimes that you surrender some things that you enjoy in this world, that you enjoy in this life, that maybe your family think they have for you that you should carry on and do yourself. You need to let that go and surrender it. Why? Because God has something more for you. You're a chosen people. Royal priesthood for His glory. You might be saying, but, you know, I've been pursuing God's promises for a long time in my life. I would say to you today, don't give up. Now is not the time to quit. You keep pursuing. It doesn't matter how long you have to pursue. You just keep pursuing. If it does take 25 years, you get to that 25-year mark and you celebrate because you laid hold on the promise. I want to encourage you by saying this. Abram, he was pursuing that original promise 25 years. But when you read Abram's life, it is clear That even though that one promise that he was after most of the time, 25 years, did not manifest, from the moment he began pursuing, God was blessing. God was blessing. And so you may have this big promise in your mind right now, in your heart, that God's brought to the surface. And you're pursuing that thing. You want that thing. But at the same time, when you don't have that in your hand, God is blessing. God is blessing. Despite the fact that the primary promise went unfulfilled, his life was lifted by the pursuit of God's plan and purpose. And your life can be lifted by the pursuit of God's plan and purpose for your life. Your life will be lifted if you just pursue God. It may take you some time, but it will happen. It will happen. If you'll stand with me. You were made for more. You were made for more. God intended not just a life of struggle, not just a life of challenge. Those challenges are going to be there. Life is life. But God also has a plan to do more. That others, whenever they look at you, they say, why are they so blessed? Why are they so happy all the time? Where does their joy come from? Why is it that all of the rest of us seem like we're pursuing, 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 and we're not getting a hold of all the things in life that we want, profiting from the world? All the while, when you're not pursuing those things, God just keeps blessing. God just keeps blessing. I've been encouraged by stories over this last year talking with people that they've not even been looking for a different job or looking for a different opportunity and those opportunities have come to them in a season and a time where it seems like nobody's doing that 
Nobody's hiring new people. The economy's going bad, right? I mean, who else has heard that? Economy's going bad. And they're like, you know, I wasn't even looking for this. And they messaged me. A friend of mine just got a job, a different job with the NSA. He was telling me about it this last week. He said he, he kept getting this notice that popped up on his computer. These people are interested in you for this job. He said he dismissed it two times. And then it popped up a third time. Okay, I guess I want to ignore that. So he sent them a resume. Two weeks go by, he doesn't really hear anything, so he calls them. Say, hey, I just, I just wanted to know, you know, I put in a resume for this, I've not really heard anything back. They said, yeah, yeah, we, we've been meaning to contact you. You are the only person who applied for this role. Now, when does that ever happen? And he's making more. He's got better hours. God is blessing. God can do amazing things. But if we put first the kingdom, all these other things will be added to you. Doesn't always mean that it's just going to be a wealth and a growth and all that stuff. That is not what God intends. God intends for you to get promises that are spiritual promises he has for you. And in that process... He blesses. He blesses. Let's join together in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be here in your presence among your people. God, you have linked us all together by a divine call, Lord, to a higher life, leaving behind this low life. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would draw people by your spirit, Lord, whatever step they need to take of obedience. Maybe it's separating from an old life in repentance. Maybe it's getting baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe they've not received the infilling of the spirit yet, speaking in tongues. Maybe it's time for them to pursue a higher promise that you have for them. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would draw by your spirit. Your word says that how can we even come except we be drawn Lord I pray that your spirit would draw right now in Jesus name in Jesus name why don't you go ahead and begin to talk to the Lord right where you're at why don't you pray God has got a purpose for you he's got a plan for you you may not see it right now you may be living in the confusion and the chaos that's going on in your world but the voice of God is ringing out and saying listen to me I've got something more for you I want to do more in your life I've got a plan for you if you'll just trust me and follow listen to my voice I'm going to take you there to a place you don't even know you don't even know you can't even imagine what he's wanting to do but he has a plan